Hi there, I'm Pastor Billy. There are a lot of ways to engage with us, but I wanted to take a moment today to thank you for listening here on the Harrisonburg Nazarene Church Podcast. Also, you can now search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. For more about the church, please check out our website, abeaconofhope.org. That's abeaconofhope.org. You can also catch us live on Facebook each Sunday morning at 9 and 10.30 a.m. A piece of wisdom that has come often from the Lord, sometimes from other people around me. But I, uh, maybe I'm, I'm a little different than you, but in my life, um, it's really easy for me to get overwhelmed when faced with some big decision. Where am I going to go to college? What am I going to do with my life? What, what about this idea of marriage? That's like for the rest of my life, right? What about uh, planning a family, buying a house, moving each of these big decisions often can seem overwhelming, debilitating to me. And oftentimes I would hear the Lord, even other people echo this advice. They would simply say, Adrian, just take the next step. Take the next step. Often I've found that to be true. And most of the things that I'm talking about uh, today, big decisions and things that in and of themselves can seem overwhelming and don't we wish sometimes that life came with an instruction manual? Like when my daughter was born and I became a parent at a pretty young age, there was no instruction manual step by step by step. Follow this and do this and watch out for this. And it was simply take the next step. I remember, like learn how to change the diaper. That was the first step. We can't even let you leave yet, the hospital. Change the diaper. But I think that advice is true. On Monday morning, Maybe I'm different than you, but often I could wake up and think about the week ahead and maybe feel anxious or overwhelmed or take the next step, often is what the Lord would tell me. It's not unlike Anna in Frozen 2, do the next right thing, and if you're tracking, that's two weeks in a row with a Frozen reference. I can do three, just watch out. So today we are in the midst of our series, concluding our series, The Future Is Now. And really what today is about, it's Vision Sunday. That's an exciting day. But what we're really doing today is as a church, we're taking the next step. I don't know what the five steps from now is. I don't know. It's really exciting sometimes and even overwhelming to think about all that God would call us to do as a local church. And if I allowed myself, I could get overwhelmed and even paralyzed by the uncertainty of two steps, three steps, four steps from now. But today we're just being obedient to take the next step. And so because of that, it's a really exciting day to be here. We have a mission. Over these last few weeks, we've been talking about our mission together. And it's on the screen behind me. It's simply this. Our mission as a church is to be transformed by God to bring hope to others through Christ. Over these last couple of weeks, we've been digging in pretty deep to what does this mean? What does it mean to be transformed by God? What does it mean when we say that? That we believe that God can transform lives. He's still in the business of doing that. What does it mean, last week we talked about, to bring hope to others through Christ? This idea of go that we're talking about throughout this year, this call beyond our walls, that this mission that we're called to as a church, it calls us, it compels us beyond our, our walls, beyond these walls, to a world around us that needs hope through Jesus Christ. This morning, I want to talk to you about the life of one man, Joshua, in the Old Testament, if you're not familiar with who Joshua was, 
really the Old Testament story, if you begin in Genesis and continue to read through Exodus, and it's the account of the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel that is in captivity in Egypt and slavery, and God sends one man, Moses, to deliver them, to redeem them from their slavery, from their brokenness. And you really see throughout this journey of, of Exodus and continuing on through the Old Testament, God's redemption of his people. Throughout it, God is constantly reminding them of his covenant, of his commitment to them. And, and it's a really a weird journey of God kind of doing miracles. Like he parts the Red Sea and they walk across on dry ground and they celebrate God's deliverance. And then the next moment they're complaining that they're hungry and thirsty and God has brought them out here to die. I wish we could just return to slavery, they would say. And so their journey, uh, I wrote this down, their journey is really filled with worship then doubt. Then trusting, then fear. Then obedience, then disobedience. It's a journey that I can relate to often in my life. But ultimately they come to the moment. The moment where they are to enter into the promised land. The land that God has given them. The land that he said, you've been rescued from slavery I've redeemed you and now I'm giving you this land. And the moment comes where they're to enter into the land. But they're scared. And they're afraid. And they're overwhelmed. And they allow a bad report to filter out through the camp. And so they choose to disobey God's commands and his instructions. And so because of that, there's consequence for their disobedience. They're forced to wander for 40 years. An entire generation dies without experiencing the fulfillment of God's promise. But Joshua is one who is faithful. Joshua is one who trusted God even in the midst of uncertainty. And so because of that, God chooses him now in this new generation that's coming to receive the fulfillment of God's promise to enter into the promised land. If you begin in Joshua 1, you hear a clear message from God. Joshua, do not be afraid. Joshua, be strong, be courageous, do not be afraid time and time again. Why would Joshua be afraid? Because he's one person instructed to to lead an entire nation, an entire people, to do what Moses really couldn't, wasn't able to do. So because of that, he had to have fear. He he had to to be worried. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 5 today. And Joshua chapter 5 is just a moment. A moment. If you could pull it off the page and look at it, it's just one moment midst of so many other moments in Scripture. But what makes this moment fascinating is that it falls between two much bigger moments. I'll explain what I mean. Uh, Joshua chapter 3 and 4 is pretty important. It's pretty important, and we actually, one of my first Sundays that I got to preach as the lead pastor here, we talked about this passage. What's fascinating about Joshua 3 and 4 is is God brings them, uh, he's going to bring them into the promised land, and before them stands a body of water. This should sound familiar, like what happened to Moses. With Moses, it was the Red Sea, but now with Joshua, it's the Jordan River. And God does the same miracle again. He parts the water. He brings them across on the dry ground. But this time, God doesn't want them to forget. And he, he, he instructs them to build an altar and have worship. And, and on that particular Sunday, Joshua 3 and 4, we talked about three very simple things. But the reality that God has been faithful, God is faithful, God will be faithful. And it's the beautiful miracle of Joshua chapter 3 and 4. It's it's understanding that God had been faithful all along, but now he stood in this moment understanding the faithfulness of God today. And because of that, he was assured of God's faithfulness moving into the future. It's an incredible miracle. If you jump to Joshua chapter 6, you see the battle of Jericho. 
That means nothing to us because of Jericho, but it was a, a, a huge city, a walled city. It represented the first and really main obstacle in the promised land was Jericho. And we talked just this past summer. We celebrated 20 years of ministry at this location, at this campus. And we read Joshua chapter 6. And we talked about the, the miracle that God did, but he didn't do it in the way they thought. He, he invited them, instructed them, I want you to go march around the city. Now these are warriors. These are people that want to fight. This is not a marching band. They're not into marching. But God says, I want you to march around the city. And they do it one day. They do it two days. They do it three days. And nothing happens. And maybe I'm the only one that, that can relate to that kind of thing where God says, step out, obey me, and, and I'm doing exactly what he says, and nothing's happening. And we talked about that as a church, that as they went around, not one, not two, but six times around and nothing happened. What would have happened if they stopped after six laps? What would have happened? What, what, what would they have not experienced if they just, in their own kind of, oh, this is terrible, I'm not doing it anymore. But they went another lap, and they experienced the victory. God gave them the city and led them into the promised land. And so on that day, June of 2019, we simply were challenged to go another lap. In your own personal life, in your own battles that you're facing, where you're not seeing victory, where you're doing everything you know to do, and you're not yet seeing the result, go another lap. And for us as a church, us as a church, we want to continue to be faithful to go another lap, to believe God's not done with us. So I'm preaching to you today out of, out of a passage that is rich for us as a local church. It's meaningful for us. It's something God has intentionally brought me back to. And as we look at Joshua 3 and 4 over here and the miracle of crossing the Jordan, and we look at Joshua chapter 6 over here and the miracle of Jericho, and sandwiched in between that is the text we're going to look at today. It's a moment that may seem insignificant, but I believe it's a pivotal moment in the life of Joshua and the children of Israel. We're going to be in verse 13 of uh, Joshua chapter 5. So if you have your copy of scripture, uh, if you have your version Bible app, we have an event set up there. You can check it out. Um, but just these few verses we're going to look at today, I believe they're pivotal in the life and ministry of Joshua. So Joshua chapter 5, starting with verse 13, it says this. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, remember Jericho hasn't happened yet. That was a spoiler alert. When he was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Now pause, this is the day before the battle. So Joshua, he's not back at camp with the others, he's out and he's near Jericho. I don't know what he's doing, maybe he's, he's spying on the land, maybe he's checking out the walls, maybe he's trying to see what the best angle is going to be. Maybe he's just praying and he's walking and praying. I don't know what Joshua's doing, but he's kind of, he's out the night before the battle will occur. And while he's out, he stumbles upon someone. He doesn't know who, but they have a sword drawn in their hand. And the reason that's important is because according to the battle um, kind of laws and regulations of that day, you couldn't, you couldn't approach a general with your sword drawn. So either this person was breaking the rules or they were a paid assassin. So immediately Joshua would have paid attention here. He would have understood, wait, wait, something's not right. So we continue reading. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Joshua asked a question that I would ask, whose team are you on? <laughs> Wait, are you, one, are you one of us? Maybe you're one of the, I haven't seen you out there in the lines. Maybe you're on our team. Are you on our team or their team? In the new uh, American Standard Version, it simply says, 
No. <laughs> I love that, right? Wait, are you on our team or are you on their team? No. What does that mean? Right, right, right. Wait, wait. Are you for us or are you for them? No, neither. I'm the commander of the army of the Lord. And immediately, Joshua knew this is an incredible moment. This is a remarkable moment. He responds in worship. He responds in surrender. Let's read on. Neither, he said, I've come commander of the army of the Lord. I've now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence. Some versions say worship. He asked him, what message does the Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals. For the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. And Joshua did so. This is what I believe is true of Joshua. I believe it's true because you read it, as I said, beginning in Joshua chapter 1 and throughout. I believe Joshua wanted to make a difference. I believe he wanted to do powerful things for the Lord. I believe he wanted his life to count. And isn't that a desire that many of us in the room can relate to today? We want our life to matter. We want to make a difference. We want, we want to accomplish big things for God. I believe that was true for Joshua as he kind of took on this mantle and this authority of leading the children of Israel, the nation of Israel for such a time as this. But this is a pivotal moment in the story because God is telling Joshua, Joshua, I haven't come to be a part of your story. I have come to invite you to play a role in my story. You see, Joshua looks and says, whose team are you on? Are you for us? Are you for them? And, and the God of eternity steps down and says, Joshua, I haven't come to play a part in your story. I have come to invite you into a much bigger story, into a much bigger thing than you even thought possible. You're, you're wanting to make a difference. You're wanting to make an impact, but I'm inviting you to play a part in my story, the God of eternity. And at that moment, everything changed. At that moment, that is holy ground. What made it holy? Because this was no longer Joshua asking God to bless what he's doing. No, 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 no. It was him recognizing that the God of the universe was inviting him to be a part of something so much bigger than himself. And when the, when the divine enters in, when the divine invites us to be a part of his plan, that is a holy moment. That's something. Notice, notice that this moment happens on enemy territory. Literally, he's right outside Jericho. So this is heathen territory. This is enemy territory. But God declares it as holy ground. This is enemy ground. This is heathen ground. But the moment that God intercedes, and, and again, and not, not uh, us inviting him to bless what we're doing, but when we step back and acknowledge that the God of the universe is inviting us into his plan and his story, even enemy ground can become holy ground. Now that can preach right there because I know some of you tomorrow, you're getting up and you're going to work and you feel like you're on enemy ground. I know some of you, the campus, the school that you attend, it feels like enemy territory. You're walking on there. But isn't it good news today that even enemy territory can become holy ground when the God of the universe breaks in? Not, not when we budget in, here God, you can be on my team over here and you can help me. No, no, when the God of the universe interrupts that and says, I've got something way bigger for you. Enemy ground becomes holy ground. That's beautiful. What is Joshua's response? He did what he was told. He, he worshiped. He, he was in awe, but ultimately, in verse 15, Joshua did what he was told. I believe the truth 
Our invitation is not that different today from Joshua's. We've been invited to play a role in his story. It's really, it's not about who is for me, it's about who I am for. Andy Stanley, a Christian author, pastor, he says it this way. He says, leaving my mark is too small a thing to spend my life on. Leaving my mark, my difference, my impact, doing that, leaving my mark is too small a thing to spend my life on. That ultimately, if it's about what I can do and the difference that I can make, look at me, look at what I did. If that's what it's about and inviting God to bless what you're doing, then it's not worth it in the end. And in this moment, the God of the universe wanted to stop Joshua and say, Joshua, it's not about inviting me to be a part of your plan. Joshua, this is about something much bigger. This is what, what is true for us as a church and what I really want us to know. We've been talking a lot these past couple weeks about obedience. And really this new mission for us is really leaning into this idea of obedience. That God's called us to obey. And, and, and this is so true in this story as Joshua is invited and ultimately he obeys. So this morning, the bottom line for us, what I want us to know is God will do whatever he wants through an obedient church. Through an obedient church. Think about the power of one life. Think about the power of Joshua. One life being obedient. Not to God bless what I'm doing. Not God show up here where I want you. But no, no, no. I'll be a part of what you're doing, God. I will obey. There's power in one life. Now think about the power of not just one life, but of a church. A church of individuals that are so different and could not be more, you know, like, how, how did this group get together, you know? But, but they have different backgrounds and, and, and they work different places and they're involved in the community in different ways. But each and every one of them is obedient. Imagine what God can do through that. Imagine the impact that could happen through a church that's obedient to him. God will do whatever he wants through an obedient church. Because somehow, somehow Joshua made uh, serving the Lord about the Lord serving us. And God showed up and invited him to do something quite different. At the end of his life, Joshua was 110 years old. You felt old today when you woke up. You looked in the mirror and thought, you ain't 110. So, all right, 110 years old. If there's a 110-year-old person, please come find me at the end. I apologize to you. But 110, the end of his life. He's experienced miracles. He's seen God do incredible things. And at the end of his life in Joshua 24, he, he speaks this wisdom, this truth. I, I have to believe as he speaks these words, he thinks back to that encounter outside of Jericho. He, he thinks about that encounter that forever marked him, that forever changed the trajectory, the course of his life. And in Joshua chapter 24, starting with verse 14, he says this, Now fear the Lord. This is him at the end of his life. One of the final things that he'll ever say, Joshua says this, Fear the Lord, serve him with faithfulness, throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day who you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, the gods of the Amorites in whose land you were living, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. He learned it's not about God serving me. 
It's not about God showing up as part of my plan. No, no, I have learned. I will obey. I will serve. I will trust in the Lord. And at the end of his life, he's saying, choose today. Whose plan is it going to be about? Whose, whose mark are you trying to make? If it's just about me and what I can do, that's pales in comparison to what God wants to do. Choose today who you will serve. It's not about who is for me. It's about who I am for. And today, as a church, as we gather around uh, this mission, as we begin to ask the Lord, what is the next step for us? I want you to know today, I believe God will do whatever he wants through an obedient church. The gates of hell will not prevail. Think about that. Think about the word that we proclaim is true, and think about what is possible in the life of a church that completely obeys and trusts the Lord. God will do whatever he wants. Here's a reality for us as we've been talking and uh, as a leadership team, we've been praying. We've been asking the Lord, what is it that you'd have us to do as a church? What is the next step for us? We, uh, I read this recently and it, it, it concerns me. It breaks my heart. It says 94% of churches in America are losing ground compared to the growth rate in their communities. In other words, 94% of churches in America today, not doesn't matter denomination, doesn't matter size, doesn't matter how old they are, new they are, 94% of churches in America are not even growing consistent with the rate that their community around them is growing. Now we know, we know that the mark of health of a church is not just how many people show up on a Sunday morning. We understand that. God has called us to, to grow deep. He's called us to bear fruit. He's called us to serve and to love, and we understand that. But, but we feel as a church that God has called us. What is our mission? Our mission is transformed by God to bring hope to others through Christ. And he's called us beyond our walls. He's called us to reach lost people. He's called us to a world that, that is hopeless and needs hope and does not yet know that Jesus is the answer, does not yet know. They're, they're, they're lost in religion, and they don't know about a relationship with Christ that he can transform, and we believe that that is still possible. And so as a church, we have a burden that we're not done. God's calling us. He's inviting us to be, not, 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 hey, God, come bless and do our thing. No, no, no. He's inviting us to be a part of his mission and his work. And so we've begun to pray with eyes open. Did you know you could do that? You probably should if you're driving. Pray with eyes open. God, God, what is it you're doing? Show us. Show us. Where are you working? God, we're not interested in creating our plan. We, we want to know your plan and your vision. And so today, I want to share with you what the next step is for us as a local church. Really, uh, it involves a community uh, in Elkton, just beyond here. And if you've paid attention in recent years here at the church, you know that God's given us some opportunity there. Here's how it began. It didn't begin with us kind of looking at a map and saying, let's go there. Uh, there. There was a life group, still is, that meets every Friday night. Um, for some in that life group, it's the only church they experience all week. And through that life group, God just began to give them opportunities to minister just relationally, one person at a time, one family at a time. Show up and paint a house. Show up and feed somebody. Show up and, and, and do yard work and do just in that community to make a difference. And as they began to obey God began to give them a bigger vision and bigger opportunity. The, the town of Elkton began to invite them to partner with them in town events, that we would come as the church and partner with them. And many times we're able to preach the gospel, even in a government building, preach the gospel, and, and people's lives were being transformed. Families were coming to know Christ. People started to show up here on Sunday morning because of what was happening out there. And we just began to open our eyes and say, God, what is it that you're doing? 
We're, we're trying to pay attention, Lord. We don't want to miss it. And so God has, has begun to show us time and time again that, that he's opening a door and making a way. And so today begins the journey that we begin, that we believe God is calling us to plant a new campus of our church in East Rockingham, Virginia. Today, this is exciting. This is good news. And why is this good news? It's because we have a church. We've planted churches before. That's been a part of our DNA. But this is different. This is different because a campus, you may be saying, what is that? It's a church, but it's, it's, it's an extension. It's an extension of the other campus to which it's connected. And so we're not talking about today just sending some people out to Elkton and say, hey, go get it. We believe God's giving us a burden for, for the eastern part of our county. And he's inviting us to partner, to, to plan an extension of our church that will have a, a similar mission, vision, values, even shared resources and staff to be a part of one church. This is what I want you to see. We are saying today in faith, we're stepping out and saying God is calling us not to be one church in one location. He's calling us, he's inviting us to be one church in multiple locations. That's the vision. God's inviting us to go, to go. And that doesn't mean we just say, hey, everybody, show up here. We're saying, God, where will you send us? Where will you go? And so we want to be obedient to the call as a church. Wherever he invites us to go, we're going to go. And we believe this is the next step. I want to ask two questions today. And if you were, a few of us gathered, many of us actually gathered a few weeks ago on what we called Vision Night. We talked about this in detail. And that night we asked two questions. I want to ask them again because I think they're really important. I think they're really important for you if somebody asks you about, hey, what's going on at the church? And well, tell me more about this campus. I think these are the two most important questions that we can ask and we can answer together. The first is this, why this? Why? Why? Of all the things that you could talk about, why this? Well, first and foremost, we want to reach lost people. We want to reach people that don't have hope. We want to reach people. There's still people that do not know the name Jesus in our community. And we feel responsible we feel a burden and we got to do something about it. And so number one, first and foremost, why are you doing this? Because we believe it's not the only way. We believe this is the next step that God's calling us to be a part of reaching lost people. I have a picture on the screen and, and you may not be able to see it super well, but it's, it's of our community. The outline there in red, the big outline is Rockingham County. Kind of in the middle there, if you squint a little bit, you can see kind of the circle that is Harrisonburg City. And there's a heart there if you look really, really close. That's us. We're the heart. That's where we're meeting right now. And out there, off to the side there to the right, you can see some dots, some points. They're not the only dots. They're not the only points, but I'm just pointing out a few. McGackiesville, Massanutton, Elkton, Shenandoah. We believe, as we've prayed, as God's been opening up doors, that there, there's a need for, in this community, a church. A, a church, not that they just will be the only church. God's, God's got churches there. We're excited, but we believe God's inviting us as a church to come and, and to speak truth and to show love and to bring hope into a community that desperately needs it. We believe he's inviting us to partner in this way. And we believe a campus allows us a, as a church to have a, a healthy, sustainable uh, footprint in that community that can continue to make an impact for many, many years to come. Why this? In case you didn't catch it, we want to reach lost people. This is not just about convenience. Some people say, oh, ooh, I don't have to drive as far to get to church. This is awesome. I'm so excited for the gas mileage that we'll be saving on your car. But that's not the reason we're doing it. Some would say, ooh, this might be a little bit of a smaller campus at first. And, and I don't have to fight for a parking spot. I like that. And I like, 
that's great. That's not why we're doing it. We 100% are doing it because we want to reach lost people. And we feel like God has invited us to be a part of his plan, his work, what he's doing. So that's why this, this, the next question is why now? Why now? Why suddenly have we just decided that this isn't? And as best as I can tell you, we sense the Lord is saying go. We sense the Lord is saying it's time to go. It's time to step out of faith. If I was honest, this scares me to death. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I don't, many times I've told the Lord, I can't do this. I don't, but time and time again, I've sensed the Lord saying, Adrian, look at what I'm doing. Adrian, look at how I'm inviting you in to what I'm doing. It's time to go. As we've looked at many other things happening in the life of our church, it's clear. God is bringing us to a new chapter in ministry. Do you know, as we've been talking about this and as we've been praying, do you know that our current mortgage at this facility it was once $4 million. Do you know that right now our current mortgage at this facility is $11,000? Isn't that awesome? Some of, you, some of you may wonder, why do we celebrate that? Well, we celebrate the faithfulness of God. We celebrate what God has done, but we celebrate that he is preparing us for a new chapter to step out in faith. Would we have stepped out in faith if we didn't pay off our mortgage? Absolutely we would, but isn't it nice that God is affirming and he's showing us, man, look, look what I'm done, look what I'm done, and now it's time for the new chapter, the next step of obedience. And so we sense God saying, now is the time. It's time to go. It's time to go. Thank you again for listening here today. If you have any questions at all, feel free to reach out to us at info at a beaconofhope.org. That's info at a beaconofhope.org. If you happen to be in the Harrisonburg, Virginia area, we'd love for you to join us at 1871 Boyers Road in Rockingham, Virginia. We meet every Sunday morning at 9 and 1030 a.m. in English and then at 1145 in Spanish. Celebrate Recovery also meets here each and every week, Monday nights at 6 p.m. If you enjoyed the podcast today, please be sure to subscribe in order to get updates and new episodes. 